This week on Kettle of Fish, actor and comedian Mary Birdsong stops by to talk about classy characters and cursed candy bars. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, models, and even astronauts about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airways, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my vibrant, my radiant, my colorful producer, there's two scoops of raisins to my smiling cartoon son. It is E. Maven. I like it. And, you know, okay, so I I was out of town last week for a work training, and the one word that they gave me, I, I can't remember the word they gave me, but it was something akin to colorful. And I was like, yes, that may, no, exuberant. She said I exuberant. was exuberant. I should have used that one. That's a yeah. good word, exuberant. I, mean, I kind of couldn't help it. Like, you know, I was always one of those kids who sat in the front of the class because I wanted to learn the thing. Um, So (laughs) I was one of like three people who would just speak up and read aloud and all those good things. And I was like, hey, I'm I'm digging this, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it was I was one of the kids that sat in the back of the class because I was too cool to sit in the front and refused to wear glasses because I was too cool to wear glasses. So I failed a lot. Oh, see, I I couldn't see anything. I had to wear glasses since I was like two. So aside from trying to quote unquote lose them um, in neighbors' mailboxes, I, I pretty much got used to it by the time I went to school. Yeah. You learn all kinds of faking tricks when you don't have glasses. Like I would go up to the pencil sharpener just so I could see the board so nobody would know <laughs> I was secretly learning. Oh my goodness. I can't even. That's I, how I horrible that. I was. <laughs> all right. So today we're not going to have Fern here. And I know Fern's been off and on for the last year and a half. Of course, any of our listeners know her mom got cancer. She went into remission. She came back home to Virginia Beach from Maine. Then her dad, like three weeks later, got diagnosed with cancer. He passed away. You know, that was horrible what what Fern's been through this past year and a half. Mm -hmm. So then Fern comes home after she you know deals with all of that and then her mom gets cancer gets diagnosed again now she's yeah. back up and this time it's not looking very good yeah yeah so we don't uh, know when fern will be back so we don't know how often we'll be able to do these shows because i don't like doing them without fern way to start it on a positive note well i mean i figured the <laughs> listeners would want to know what happened yeah, to her because she's only been able to do about a dozen of these episodes over the last year but we may end up going to her and um, catching up with her and, you know, just seeing how she's been and and just try to, like, go. Well, all the hospitals she goes to are in Boston, even though she lives in yeah. Maine. And Vermin Supreme lives there. So I told um, Fern we were going to kidnap her and go visit Vermin. Yes. Because you have to go to Pennsylvania anyways to record on Apollo's album. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we should just do a little sidetrack up to Boston when Fern's up there, kidnap her for the day, and go like on Vermin's insane property and play yes. mini golf and get drunk. That would be a good field trip, I think, for sure. 
for everybody involved. How could yes. it end badly when you're hanging out with Vermin? I know. I mean, unless um, unless the current regime, I, I know it's horrible, and now I call it the regime, unless the current regime sees him as a threat, because I'm sure Vermin is going to run again in 2020. I mean, I'm sure he's run. Like yeah, but he always runs like under a different years. ticket and as a different for a different office. I think last time he ran for like AG of Connecticut or something crazy like hey, that. Hey, let him keep running. It's great. We love it. Alrighty, are we ready to get today's <laughs> show? How do we get this back into positive mode? And I just wanted Fern to know if she listens to this episode, we're all thinking about her. Well, I have got a really good way to be positive. Um, so the other night. Uh, I got to hear for at least an hour before I finally fell asleep. Um, how many videos did you watch? Oh, of Mary's 365 uh -huh. impressions. I binge watched. I had watched like the first four. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, her YouTube channel, the way I was looking at it on that front page, I only saw 12 episodes. And then I wrote her and she was like, well, I've done like 163 of these. So then I sat down and actually binge watched the whole yeah. thing. There and you fell asleep. I did. Uh, I not because going. they weren't interesting, but because it was past my bedtime. And that's just how Dee does. I know. I had to get up at 6.30 <laughs> the next day, and it was already like 1. And I was like, I got like 20 left. I'm not giving up. I'm going to get through this. Because I had to get – because we're having Danita Sparks from L7. We're recording with her tomorrow. Yeah. And um, and that was kind of last minute. Like I think it was Friday. They were like, hey, can we do it on Monday because – with what's going on, she's not going to have any other time. And then you can release it right before the album. And I didn't want to say no. Of course. So I had to kind of put this interview all together on Friday so I could work on the L7 <laughs> stuff yesterday. And I was like, I'm not giving up. I, I could only watch like 140 of them, but that would be cheating. I'm going to sit here and get through all yes. hundreds, no matter how long I'm like holding my fucking eyes open with toothpicks. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Screw you sleep. soldiered through, let me tell you. I That's did. Great. All right, well, let's get today's guest in here. Today's guest is hilarious, but I didn't know just how hilarious until I went onto her YouTube page and went far down that comedy rabbit hole. She is a writer, comedian, actor, and singer, all rolled up into one badass comedy package. It is Mary Birdsong. Mary, how you doing? Hello. It's so exciting. To, I was just listening to you guys, just smiling from ear to ear. I feel so fancy and fun right now. <laughs> right? Oh, and that's what we, you should hear our kettle of fish jingle. You'll be happy once we put the episode together. And you I hear did it hear it. Oh, did you? You listened to a previous episode? Yeah, you were singing it. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I'm not a singer like you, Mary. Yeah, well, he tries. You, But you are your, I'm not a singer like you either. And there Barbara Streisand isn't a singer like Tony Bennett, but we don't want anybody to sound like anybody but themselves. And you are such a great crooner, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. Now I'm smiling ear to ear. Oh, by the way, I before I even forget, happy St. Patrick's Day. Are we talking to a bright eyed, bushy tailed Mary today or a hungover Mary? Well, you're not talking to a hungover Mary because... Um, Mary did more than her share of drinking for the first 30 years of her life, you see. Makes so, sense. no, I haven't had a drink in. Actually, March 22nd, if I make it for the next five days, will be 20 years without a drop. Wow. Oh, my congratulations. God. Check that shit out. Is that Isn't hard that to navigate? 
like going to parties and going out to different <laughs> events and not being because I've seen you perform at different events and I'm like, oh man, she's got to be slamming alcohol before she gets out there on stage right? and starts singing. No, I'm, it's, it's surprisingly like after, I mean, at the beginning it was horribly, horribly hard, but um, now it's almost like, like I'm not a person who uses mustard very much. I just, it never even dawns on me to use mustard. I'm like, where's the mayo? Where's the ketchup? Right. And so now it's almost to the point where booze is like mustard. It's weird. It's like, it just doesn't like, I'm like, oh yeah, that exists. Like it just. That's good. I was even putting together one time for my agents when, when actors, I don't know if they still do this, but I think most people stop doing it. He's like put together these like little gift bags at Christmas time for my agents. And there's a lot of them when you put together like the assistants and all those people. So I was making them like, Pilot season survival kits, and each little bag had like a cigarette, a condom, a tiny bottle of booze. You I know, love it just it. had like aspirin, stuff like that. And um, it was adorable. But I had to buy all these little like airplane sized bottles of booze. And I had this like, you know, assembly line set up on my kitchen table of all the parts. So I had to like put them all together. And so I have like all of this little like bottles of booze all over my table, like 50 of them. And, uh, and it just dawned on me, like, after a few days, it was all sitting there. I was like, wow, that's weird that I just keep, like, walking by this as if it's, like, I don't know, like, washing fluid or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like laundry detergent. It's just, it's so off the, like, spectrum of what I would do at this point that, like, I miss cigarettes more than I miss booze, actually. So it's very strange. But you grow out of stuff, though, right? I mean, I used to be quite the party kid when I was young, went to a lot of raves and different stuff. And, you know, I was big into punk rock. I still am big into punk rock. And, you know, I just kind of grew out of the drug thing. And I remember every once in a while I would date somebody and be like, well, it's good you quit drugs. And I was like, well, I never quit drugs. I just kind of got disinterested. They quit me. Yeah, they quit quit me, damn it. Uh, But I always tell, like, my friends I have who still party a lot, Believe it or not, one, I, I don't understand how you could still be like doing LSD at 50 and be able to function in your life. That seems insane to me. Wow. I'll tell the few friends I have left who still do that stuff. I say, listen, I'll make a deal with you. If I make it to my 80th birthday, we'll have an LSD party just for the novelty <laughs> of it. It'll be a, a bunch of old rickety men. I said, but until then, it's just not something that interests me. I've just grown out of it like matchbox cars. I just grew out of it. Well, I haven't. I have a real problem with matchbox cars. Um, so I didn't want to bring it up. I read about it in the tabloids. It's insensitive. That's of me. just really hard being a comedian and an actor and having a matchbox car obsession. Um, but I, I feel I was you. Gonna Mine's say, rubber ducks. The LSD. <laughs> thank you. And squishy things. Apparently. Yes. Did I get that right? You're into squishies. Oh, I love squishies. Love them. I heard that on the other podcast yes. episode. Um, <laughs> I I was going to say with the LSD stuff. Like, yeah, because after a certain age, like, the like I'm such a rager, I'm such a crazy, you know, rock star party animal. But, like, after 30, it's, it just gets like, oh, no, you're sad. Um, but, but LSD now they're using, there's all this stuff about microdosing LSD for um, depression. Have you heard about this? Yes. I've heard about it with ecstasy used in, like, relationship counseling, a form of ecstasy, but never the LSD thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, apparently it's kind of it's getting a second life because 
I feel like in the 60s, it got like a bad rap because a bunch of people drunk out of windows. But now they're like, you know what? Let's, let's take another look. And so all of these people are doing research on like small doses, having like interesting effects on people who, you know, suffer from depression and stuff. So that's, you know, who knows? I just think it's amazing that we're sitting here having this long conversation about LSD. I love it when episodes go to places I never dreamed they would have gone to. I am talking to Mary Mary Birdsong about LSD. Indeed. Well, hey, Um, speaking of which, let me switch gears real quick here, because there is something I wanted to touch base with you about, and it was amazing to me. I jumped over to your YouTube channel and I started researching all things Mary Bird song as I obsessively do when I have a guest on. And I, you know, of course, I know you, everybody knows you from Reno. Um, I know you from stuff over the years like Raising Hope and Descendants and different things I've seen you in. But I didn't realize how proficient you were on social media. You have like your YouTube's (laughs) overwhelming. You've got your Medium account, Vine, Tumblr. Who has a Tumblr anymore? Twitter, Facebook. You're like a total badass on social media. Does this stuff come really easy to you? Because you seem to have a really good grasp on it. Well, thank you. I mean, um, some of the things like the Tumblr is, it's like that like really cute shirt that you bought that you wore like three times and still in your closet. And it looks great, but like you haven't worn it in a really long time. Um, so some of those things are sort of vestiges of, right. you know, days gone by um and you know honestly it's something i've sort of picked up over the years i think out of necessity um and out of you know to be frank just a desire to work you know what i mean i was like i think the youtube thing really i started taking advantage of that as like a quote-unquote platform when we had a writer strike i think it was maybe 2005 or something it was like the first big one, the Writers Guild st- was striking. And so all of a sudden there were all these actors, you know, comics, especially because they tend to not just act, but write. Right. Like we were all just kind of like, uh, like, um, you know, we just were, had nothing to do. Like we couldn't do TV shows. We couldn't do, you know. And so I think for me, um, that was like the outlet I turned to out of like, almost like a jonesing, you know, like I was jonesing to, to perform. Like if I don't perform, I, yeah, I sort of tend to implode on myself. And you no longer um, have matchbox cars and LSD to pull you through. So you exactly, need some right? kind of creative outlet. Right. I had no crutch. I, I didn't have the matchbox cars to like put between me and my public and um, no. And and also, I think at the time, like when I first started doing YouTube, and I, it was mostly this character I did called 99 Cent Horror. Right. I was, I, I had just gone through a breakup with a guy who was a musician, and I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. And so it was kind of like a way to deal with like at one o'clock in the morning, you know, oh, I'm sad because I, you know you know, got broken up with. And I also want to learn how to play the guitar. So why not do a character who is really shitty on the guitar and, you know, and looks really hot because she's the 99 cent whore. And so it was kind of a therapeutic thing in a way, just to kind of have something to, all of it is really, it's a, it's an escape into being somebody else for a little while. Cause when I'm just in my own head, it's, you know, 
it's like it's a it's a scary place sometimes. So oh boy, I know what just, you're talking about. Yeah, it's just relaxing. I mean, just to kind of pretend like, oh no, okay, I'm a I'm a jazz enthusiast that is into um, crunchy jazz instead of smooth jazz. Okay, cool. Let's go with that. And then I just play. I play dress up for you know an hour and then spend a gajillion hours editing it. <laughs> um, and you do a hell of a can... job of that too. And you know. Thanks. I have noticed, and I have a lot of entertainer friends now, and, and a lot of them, including myself, are pulling back from Facebook because it's such a freaking viper's pit now. And I remember when yeah. I added you like maybe a year ago, and I always had it in my head, I'm going to get Mary on. And I sent you a message. I don't think you use Facebook that much anymore, but I remember when you first went on there, you had put some political stuff up. And people just go fucking bananas and go crazy and are disrespectful and and yeah. people are really moving away from Facebook, which is sad because I yeah. used to like going on there and connecting with people. Yeah, it's true. It it is. It's interesting how like different different um, social networks or whatever change. Like I was joking the other day. I guess Facebook and Instagram were down for a little bit, and I was like, right. "Hey guys, I think my friends my Friendster page is still up. Let's go hang out there." <laughs> Like Friendster, you know, nobody remembers Friendster, but that was sort of like the original, like Facebook before there was Facebook, but it was kind of more dating oriented. Um, but yeah, it's, it can get really dicey there. And, um, and at times suck, of course. Um, but yeah, whenever I love when people like that aren't even really friendly with me, like they'll purposely come on my page to like, just yeah be really nasty and political and snarky and my go-to usually with that is i just post get off my property this is my social <laughs> network shotgun you know like you say whatever you want on your page why are you coming over to me and like using my whatever five thousand fans to say something that because they get a like charge out say. of it because they can get right. drunk it's with like, their no. friends that night and go i just told that chick from reno 911 go screw herself <laughs> Yeah. They get a charge out of it because they don't have anything else going on. If they had real shit going on, they wouldn't have time to do that nonsense. There's there's one um, thing that I actually I I printed out and I also like copied and saved into another document because it was so interesting. Because this woman really went deep and she was like, "You only exist when I turn my television on. I I might enjoy you for a laugh, but when I turn my television off." you don't even exist. And she was just like wow. going into this long, like it was, oh my it God. was really intense. And I was like, wow, there's some serious animosity here. Um, but it was, it was kind of an interesting window into like what that's about for some people. Um, and I think there's partly something about people who actually go for dr their dreams. <laughs> I think it makes people really angry when they see other people sort of like, trying to go for what their dream is um, because it's like if they feel like that those people are trying to live their best life what's my problem do you know what I mean it's like it's actually a very Irish thing like it's in, very in, spiteful the, yeah with and Irish petty. people and like the Catholic thing it's like who the hell do you think you are or oh, are you gonna be a movie <laughs> star huh big shot like it's it's like kind of like the armchair critic with the big pint of beer that's like I could have made that movie, you know. Really? Well, then go do it. 
you know. <laughs> but they're always so, on the verge of like destroying you with their 19 followers, right? Like you always see them like just today. They're like, Saturday Night Live is going to be yeah. going off the air soon for making fun of Trump. You know, I loved it when they said the NFL was going to be going away. There won't be any more NFL now. Trump is going to destroy oh, the wow. NFL. Like they're so delusional. And they, oh, that's the end of yeah. Gillette. Gillette's going to have to shut down their factories now because they made a commercial we didn't like. And they just yeah. don't understand that none of this stuff is going away. It's their problem. Gillette doesn't care. For every guy yeah. who got pissed off about that commercial and burned their Gillette razors, there was like 20 women who saw that commercial and was like, right on. I'm buying these for my son now. <laughs> Gillette didn't lose a penny. They've got a whole marketing team to make sure they don't lose money on stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the social media stuff is it's it's a it's not just like a time suck, I think, to like go on there, you know, and sometimes that's a welcome time suck. Like it's a great way to kind of just like reboot your brain, just, you know, go into that like fuzzy white noise haze of other people's, you know, beautiful vacation pictures. But, um, but it's also to try and put content on there. I, you know, I get why these teenagers that are, coming up and using YouTube now, like they're masters because that's a separate yeah, art they are. from actually there's the art of creating art. And then there's the art of putting art on the internet in a way that builds millions of followers. And I'm trying to learn as I go. Um, and I really am glad actually in hindsight that I have at least made an attempt over the years to kind of say like, well, what's this about? You know, um, the only thing I've kind of drawn the line at is Snapchat. I'm like, no, I'm not, I can't add one more thing. I'm not, I'm not going to like make content that disappears after 30 seconds or whatever. Like what's the I don't know if Snapchat so, does that anymore though, but you're on way more I think platforms you're right. than I am. I think you're right. It's just, it's, it, if I was like really doing that, then I wouldn't even have any time to audition or do, you know, TV or or do plays or do anything. So it, you know, it's, um, it's a full-time job. Um, and I've even lately been thinking about like, well, maybe I should just do nothing but that. Maybe I should really just like focus on that. Um, because I do love the freedom of being able to create something in your own living room and not have anybody say, you can't say this or, it needs to be this length or, you know, or anything. Um, I mean, that's why we podcast for that very reason. Yeah, exactly. No gatekeepers. And I got to tell you that um, video you did, 365 days, 365 characters, talking about producing yourself. When I first ran across (laughs) that, I was like, how in the hell is she going to do 365 different characters? And and I do have to say, too, there was some stuff on there that got a little bit political. But you don't really have a problem on there with trolls. I didn't see, because I'll go through the comment threads of the Ivanka ones and stuff like that and be like, oh, boy, some Trump dudes are going to flip out. And you don't really get a lot of hate on there. And I think it's because you're so colorful and you've mastered your comedy elements so well. I mean, you when you go through there, every one is so different. It's not like you're just hopping on there for 30 seconds with each one and going, here's my character for today. No, 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 goodbye. They right, differ right. from inside your car or a place made up to look like an office to just your living room to 30 seconds yeah. to up to five minutes. And you really mix it up. And I thought that series was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And I am determined to finish it. <laughs> 
um, it is, you know, it's, it's really tough. And, you know, it's funny. Um, when I was first using Vine, it really lended it, itself to, you know, being able to produce a video a day because they were only seven seconds. And I think I sent this to you in an email, but it's true. Like if I don't have restrictions placed on me, I will like build a, you know, a castle set in my, you know, kitchen <laughs> and, Amazing. you know, I'm, I'm going to sew an Elizabethan costume and, you know, just, I will go whole hog. And so the, the limitations of vine, I, I really loved that because I, it was just like, there was no excuse. Like you could just, seven seconds, like just do it, you know? And it almost, um, it seemed like it was, it wasn't as sort of popular or fashionable on Vine to do overproduced stuff. Like people, if like, there's this guy, I wish I could remember his name, Kelvin something. I can't remember, but this really funny guy who would do these characters. And whenever he would do a girl who had long hair, he would just put a shirt on his head. And I love that. Like, I love that sort of, um aesthetic um as compared to like most of tv and film which is so like reality like realism authenticity obsessed right and absolutely like, obsessed with throwing like millions of dollars at shit and hoping that somehow that means it's good um so i love that sense of just like bare bones sort of democratic play that um, that YouTube or social media, you know, Instagram, whatever allows people, um, that, you know, if you, yeah, if you've got an idea, put it out there. Um, and I think partly like the, the political angle you mentioned is interesting because sometimes it's gone like, so it's so strange. Like people, like I'm clearly poking fun at sort of Trump and that whole, you know, um, uh, vibe and and or their policies or whatever and i'll have people who are like pro trumpers who don't even understand the like they're not even intelligent enough to know that i'm making fun of the very beliefs they hold like they're like yeah right on i'm like no dude no <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it Just always look goes. at you and yeah, it's it's so I've had to actually say, like, no, I'm sorry. Thank you for the cheer. But you don't understand what I'm saying. So maybe I need to redo this video. But that's probably a good <laughs> thing, though. That, that's probably why the page isn't blowing up with people like screaming. The, the big one's always like, just shut up and act. Just shut up and act. You don't have a right to have an opinion. Yeah, yeah. Don't do anything. Right, right. And nothing pisses me off more. It's like our friend Katie from Reformed Horse said she was she posted something that was like, I perform for a living. Why would you think I would not express myself politically when that's what I do for a living is express myself? Right. So, and again, it's like, well, I want to do a sketch where it's like, it's surgeons using social media. Like, you know what? Shut up and do surgery. Nobody cares. Right. Shut up and do brain surgery. Shut up and do rocket science. Nobody cares. Design rockets. Don't fucking sound off politically. Like, shut up and teach. Just go be a teacher. Like, we're, I love that this notion that like actors are sort of created on some exotic island out in the middle of the ocean through test tubes and like we don't You're have, all just um, Island know, of Dr. Monroe beasties. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think another thing 
I mean, my YouTube channel for, for bad or good, um, it definitely has certain videos that have gotten a lot of attention and a lot of hits, but then others, not so much. And it's, that's why I'm, I'm so like impressed by what some people have been able to do on there because it is so hard in the podcast world as well to like cut through this, this noise, you know, and like, there's so much choice that, you know, it's just difficult to, to know even what you want to watch or what you like, or, you know, I remember what'll even work. I mean, it's crazy. When we started out in 2013 on blog talk, we were getting like 3000 downloads like the first month we were doing this because nobody else was doing it. And people were like, what's a podcast? And then once like 2015 hit, like those numbers really dropped for everybody, everybody I knew because everybody, I I made a joke not long ago. I was like, I don't trust anybody who's never had a podcast. Like everybody's had a (laughs) podcast at this point. Like who, like what kind of maniac doesn't have their own fucking podcast? I don't want to meet, like know that person. They're insane. (laughs) Well, you have a YouTube channel, so it's kind of the similar world. Yeah. But and honestly, I've felt I've felt pressure lately to like, man, is that what I need to do to kind of get my show that I want to have made made? Because even an agent was telling me the other day, like she had two clients who were pitching a show that was a really great idea, really funny. But because like it wasn't about because it wasn't like something that they were experts in, like they weren't experts in that field or something. um, They didn't get any buyers. And then they decided to do a podcast and had like an expert come on the podcast and talk as a guest and like bidding war. Like it's just like something about podcasts right now is like, is, I mean, I remember when blogs were like that in, I guess it was, I don't know what the nineties or the early 2000s. Early 2000s. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that's where like publishers and TV execs were looking for their next, you know, sort of crop of ideas. And now it seems like podcasts have usurped the place of, blogs but that bubble burst i'm already preparing for holograms i'm getting my hologram fasana (laughs) all prepared when they start fucking beaming this stuff directly into people's brain stems i'm already thinking about that 20 years up the road that's you know what it's good it's good to be ahead of the curve nick you're a smart guy (laughs) yeah Um, it causes me a lot of problems trust me (laughs) <laughs> he can oh, tell you way, she's always like you're just too ahead of the curve nick nobody gets yeah. you and i'm like i don't want to be yeah. da vinci or basquette or one of those guys that are celebrated after i'm dead yeah. i need the yeah, adulation seriously. now today i need it rain down on me today <laughs> while i'm alive i'm too insecure that's a great, not that. like that's a great pitch like that some you know artist or, or like musician that wasn't appreciated in their like living life gets permission to go back down after they died because they just want to be like, yeah, I want to soak it up. I want to like grant. I want to like walk around like, you know, a big gangster, like just look at all this love for me. I'm a fucking rock star. Like they didn't get that. Van Gogh didn't get that. Right. They're only allowed to have social media from beyond the grave. So they can like interact from some social media site for the dead. There you go. And then they can get all their praise that way. Hey, um, Talking about your show, I'm totally getting off track here. The 365 days, why did that end at 163? Well, I mean, a lot. It was interesting what you were talking. My, my, um, 
thoughts and prayers and just hugs to Fern, who I've never met. But um, it was interesting when you guys were talking about, you know, the stuff with her mom and her dad. And I really relate to that because I feel like once 2012, I guess, happened, I feel like everybody just started dying. Just like, it was like, I think in the last few years, it was, um, I think, first of all, it was like my mom's boyfriend, my cat, who was named after the boyfriend, then my mom, then my aunt, then my best friend. It was just wow. like went on and on and on. And when my mom got sick, she was told she had like three months to live. And she was, you know, in her 70s. And um, so she was she was okay with it um, in a weird way. <laughs> it's a long story. But um, I went there to uh, be her sort of caretaker for those last three months. And it was such an intense experience, not just, and not so much because she was dying, but because my mom was a very complicated lady and, you know, was like manic depressive and had borderline personality disorder and was, you know, an addict and an amazing, beautiful, incredible, unique character that will never again walk this earth. Like she was so wonderful in so many ways, but really hard to get along with and so I think part of the thing that I use to kind of like maintain my sanity and kind of get away from her a little bit um, was to do these videos and and that's when I started doing them and I think it was my way of sort of coping with it all um, because my room was like right next to uh, the sort of the easy chair she sat in to watch TV all the time. And so she'd be on just the other side of that. that Man, wall. that is intense. Yeah. Um, and at the time, it wasn't like I was consciously doing that, choosing to do that. I just was like, I would get an idea for something. And I missed performing because I was in like the boondocks of South Jersey and, um, and had t- told my agents and stuff like, I'm not, you know, going to um, do anything right now. And uh, so it was like this wonderful, like, because I don't drink, you know what I mean? Because I don't smoke, you know, and because I was in charge of all the morphine uh, and, and, you know, painkillers, I was like, yeah, this, this, is, this could be a recipe for disaster. So it was kind of a really great way for me to, and like the editing process itself is, I find really, um, I guess, therapists would call it self. Yeah, self-regulating, they call it. Like, it's very soothing to kind of have that micro-focus um, and just sort of get lost into that. And so, like, it just... And the original impetus, when I got the idea to do 365 characters in 365 days, it was actually out of sort of resentment and anger at show business because I was like... I felt like I was producing so much content as it was that was you know, I felt excited about and thought it was funny. And at the same time, I felt like I was, I was like giving great auditions, getting great feedback, but I just wasn't booking any parts. And so I was like, what is it going to take? What do I have to do for you people to give me a show or, you know, cast me in something. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck them. I'm going to do a different character every day. I dare them not to give me my own show. I like the punk rock work ethic. It was. It was so hostile. It was like, I'm going to fucking love you to death, man. You're going <laughs> to fucking amazing. love me so hard. You're going to love me and laugh so fucking hard. I'll show you. It's so backwards. But 
Very it's, man you know, in the iron like, mask. Like when uh, yeah, the right? king tells DiCaprio, like, wear it till you love it. Yes, wear it. Yes, that's my iron mask. Um, and it is, you know, any character is sort of a mask. It gives you this wonderful little, like, um, buffer between you and the world. And it, like, people often say this, like, when they do, like, different performances with masks. Like, there's something about putting on a mask that you can suddenly... It's like being a superhero. You can make all these different choices that you in your regular life wouldn't make. You can be a fucking badass. You can be somebody who's like, you know what? This spaghetti is awful. Take it back right now. You know, whereas in real life, I'd be like, no, it's fine. Like, it just, you know, it's like living out a sort of fantasy life and because you're a different character. And so I was doing these videos on a daily basis and it, and also the feedback loop of People, when I was doing it with consistency, they started to expect them. And so that was a really wonderful feeling. Like there's something, it seems really false to be like, you know, when people are on social media and they're like, I love you guys. You guys mean so much to me. No, seriously, I love you. And you're like, you've never met any of these people. But I kind of get it because you ha- I have people that I've met online that, you know, we've just developed like I feel real fondness for certain people that I will like chat with every now and then on Facebook. Um, and they share some pretty intimate stuff with me sometimes. And when I can respond, I will. Um, so it's a, it's a weird relationship, but sometimes, you know, if you're going through a, a hard patch, um, it, it can make a difference that you have the ability to make somebody laugh and that they appreciate that and that they, basically saying like yes i see you you are doing something in the world that is appreciated and and then i think basically what happened is when my mom uh died i uh crazily got into a relationship that was kind of beautiful and so i was like i think i just didn't need that as much <laughs> so Love is the death of comedy. Or the fans um, like, where are you? We need our fix. Well, and I was, I was still doing it, but not as often. And, and this guy would like help me. Um, I remember at one point I was doing a Wonder Woman video and I like made a sky oh, yeah. with clouds and, you know. Um, and so he would be like, or a Hitchcock thing of the birds, but it was like Bed Bath and the birds, like the Bed Bath and Beyond flyers were like the birds and the Hitchcock movie. Um, and he was like pushing me on a chair to make it look like I was like driving or something. But so that kind of, I think that put a damper in it. And then that ended, that relationship ended very abruptly and it was kind of traumatizing. And, and so, yeah, I feel like it's, it's put a damper in my, in my output. And so maybe I'll use this podcast to jumpstart my, my daily consistency again. Um, I absolutely maybe, maybe think you, you should. Yeah. I, it, it, and that's the thing is it's very, you know, it could be very time consuming. And so it's because we have so many cool, like bells and whistles and, you know, buttons we can push now. Like I got this thing on my phone called video leap, which is unbelievably cool and fun. I used to always use iMovie um, on my phone or on my computer because I do almost all the editing on my phone now. Um, wow. And, yeah, I'm still using a desktop, use like, like a Neanderthal. Yeah. I mean, and part of it is because my laptop is so limited in memory. It's like, I think it's a 2010. I really need to get a new one. 
But um, I didn't know laptops like could I, still function that were that old. 2010. I know, isn't it? Isn't it surprising? It's a MacBook Air, and it's you know, it's. I have to get a new one every and, like two years, max. Yeah, I really do need a new one though, because it's like it's like a, now I can keep like two photos and one song on there. Like it's just you know, <laughs> just like that's not no. Good. Yeah, everything is a mess. I can't even get started on the cloud. We'd need a three-hour podcast to talk about the cloud. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's there's a lot of fun like tricks you can you can use when editing or producing a video, but sometimes it can bite you in the ass. It's because again, it's that thing of like too much choice, just like when they used to record rock and roll, you know what I mean? Like one take the whole band, same time. But then now they have like, no, let's get you in the ISO booth and let's put, you know, this thing on the drums and let's, you know, use this mic on that thing and let's auto tune it. And like, there's so many choices that you can kind of get lost in that part. Um, so I need to kind of police myself and just be like, you know what? Just well, fucking, we all like, do now, right? Like I, I always say exactly. on the show, we'll be talking about this subject and I'll be like, when something new comes across, like the TV, like for, for an ad for a new show or a new Netflix show, I actually get pissed off if it's something I want to watch. Because I'm like, damn it, now yes. I've got to dedicate myself to 12 <laughs> episodes of this now? I mean, me and Dee have been sitting around for two days because she was gone away for four days. And I try not to watch, me and her together, so I try not to watch things without her that are our things to watch. But now we have like 40 things that we watch together. And now it's like, oh, now there's now there's this other thing on Netflix we want to watch. And I actually get pissed when good, more good content comes out. I, it feels I like totally a responsibility now. I mean, it's a good thing I don't have, you know, a regular sort of nine to five job. I don't know what people do. Like, like boss, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't come in this week. There's a new show and I'm not going to have time to like fit it in. But I mean, for me, that's sort of easier because, um, I can't really watch like shows that I could be in because that just makes me sort of neurotic and think about work career related things as opposed to I'm just enjoying this as an audience member. Yeah. Um, I get that too. You know, and it's a little bit like watching all the people who got the, you know, like watching, like you interviewed for a job, let's say as like a marketing executive, do you really want to go home at the end of your day and like watch all the people that got the higher paying job that you, you know, interviewed for? <laughs> like, So it's, you know, it's, I felt, I used to feel like guilty about that or something or bad about it. But recently I read an interview with, I think it was Marcy Carsey, the creator of Friends and a bunch of other shows. And she basically said the same thing. I've heard other people that do comedy and stuff admit the same thing. Not all of them. Creative people were like, all so weird. I got invited to do a Nerdist podcast years ago up in New York when I was first starting out doing all this. And it was for a comic book show. And I went up to New York and it was the first time I ever did anything live and I stunk up the place and I could never listen to that <laughs> podcast again after that. Not just that episode, like just comic book club on Nerdist. I was, I just could never listen to it again because I just had this image in my head of just like right. sucking so bad. I was like, I can't right, even enjoy this, like, this weird anymore. Association. Yeah. It reminds me of like, I remember this is gross. I'm going to get scatological for a second, but years ago I got, I ate Jamaican food with a boyfriend and it was delicious, but it was a lot of rice. And then I got, I got, I threw up really badly on this rice. And for years, I'm talking decades, I could not eat rice just because of that one incident. It just made me sick just looking at any rice. So 
I get it. You have. I have a similar story. When I was five, I was eating a bowl of um, sugar smacks with the bear and a sugar smack bear, and it, they're the <laughs> little brown smack. pellets. And I was putting the spoon, yeah. and I'm definitely afraid of insects. I was putting the spoon up to my mouth, and there was a roach on my spoon looking back at me. <laughs> Haven't been able to eat a fucking bowl of sugar smacks ever since. Cringe when I see the commercials. Oh my god, how is your how is your health not getting those nutrients and vitamins and sugar smacks? I had to switch really to um, cocoa you. puffs, and it, it, yeah. granted, it doesn't right. have the nutritional value, but it's a poor substitute. Almost, but I muddle through. It's almost vegan. I, cocoa puffs is like tofu. That's so great for you, Nick. I think you should be really proud of yourself. There you go. For taking and taking another care weird of thing about cereal too that I've noticed when you watch these cereal commercials, it's like all the mascots are like crack addicts. Tricks Bunny and Leprechaun, <laughs> and it's like I don't understand. That's like true. sugar is crack, isn't it? And it's like I'm gonna get that bowl, even the word bowls in there, and like Sonny's like a straight up meth head from Cocoa Puffs. Okay, I if you do not create a cartoon, an animated half hour show built on that premise, I'm gonna come to the whatever that mountain is in Tennessee and Beth kick mountain. your ass. Can you believe nobody's done it, that yet, though? Because I've always thought for years, like, all those cartoon serial mascots were complete drug addicts for the, that whatever. That I think you're deal. right. I don't know. I used to have a shirt with um, the Trix rabbit on it, and he was, like, falling down the stairs, and it said, Trips are for kids. And I was like, hmm, <gasps> that's a drug reference. That's got to be a drug reference. Yeah. <laughs> But I wonder, wow. do they all get together marketing-wise and go, all right, we've got a new cereal out called, like, Crunchy Bear. Do we make Crunchy Bear, like, an addict, like all the rest of the ones? I mean, it can't be a coincidence that all those cereal mascots theme, like, meth heads you for know this what? particular it'd be cereal. Great too if you know It'd be great if you investigated it and then we uncover this whole plot where, like, this huge Coke dealer, uh, you know, is, like, in cahoots with the cereal industry like the cereal industry, the like cereal the industrial from complex. a young age, like they're, yeah, they're raising the kids, like grooming them to become cokeheads, And then they get payback they get kickbacks from the Mexican cartels. It's all coming together, man. Oh my God. We've got a pilot for sure. Hey, I got to ask you something <laughs> else too, because we are going way over and I still want to talk to you about Reno, but on the impression thing, cause I noticed you're like me. We were talking in a pre-show about Jack Klugman and about the 1920s and stuff. The impressions you do, for the most part, are people like Joan Rivers and, of course, Judy Garland and Patsy Cline. I feel like people back in that era had bigger personalities and that, and that it would be easier. I don't do impressions myself, but it would be easier to do impressions than trying to do like a Justin Bieber impression. Is that why you kind of focus more on the greats and the classics? Because it's just, those guys had so much class and they were so flamboyant. I mean, I think so. I mean, there are definitely personalities. Um, I think of like, I don't know, like Nicki Minaj or um, uh, Cardi B or just, you know, certain people are definitely bigger than life. Um but I mean, you had got, you know, rest in peace, Chris Farley, like, but they're few and far between. I do think like everybody's just talking a little quieter and just like, well, being Chris like, Farley you know, was on like, the tail end of that great era that were, I think you're right. Were kind yeah. of like not in it. I mean, I get sad when I think about, I want to grow up in an age where you got fucking dressed up to go to the movies and everything was new. Like well, in yeah, the 1920s. Like, exactly. But, I mean, also you have, like, which is, again, not that I wish there was more, um, not so rare, but Lady Gaga, 
I so admire that she went, you know, as full out as she did, you know, just on some level made a decision at a young age. Am I going to be this woman who dresses in a meat dress? Yes, I am. You know, like, like that. She's got moxie. moxie. Yeah, Moxie. Yeah. Thank you. We don't use that word enough because that word has no meaning anymore. Right. Because right. people so, just aren't. I mean, I'm, I'm a P.T. Barnum vaudeville guy. That's how I've always approached yes, creative endeavors. Yeah. And it's just sad yeah. that that's kind of gone away now where that kind of pageantry has gone away. It just kind of makes me sad. Well, you know what? I'm hoping I, I have a theory. I'm hoping it will make a little bit of a comeback. Because at least now, because of the internet and people have so much more easy access to stuff, um, I think it makes it easier for generations to discover that stuff, even if their parents aren't telling them about it. Um, and partly the reason I chose those people, I think, is because, I don't know, when I was young, you know, the more modern people didn't exist, so they don't kind of have that same attachment, um, or I don't have that same attachment to them, so... Um, I mean, it's weird to think, I was just saying the other day, Mariah Carey's Christmas song, um, all I want for Christmas, like, right. to, like to, to current kids now, that's like the equivalent of Bing Crosby for us. <laughs> you are so that right. Was 40 too. years ago, 40 years ago, almost. I don't know. It just seems Isn't like that a crazy, something that can't be repeated. I've got a DVD and it's got stuff that is like from when he very first started out of Rodney Dangerfield. And I'm like, man, yeah. there will never be another Rodney Dangerfield. Nobody will be able to capture that persona again. Because, I mean, that's yeah, like him. Yeah. It's, it's him, but amped up. But it's still, at the end of the day, him. And I think everybody else just kind of has the um, sizzle and not the steak. Not everybody else. There's yeah, definitely it takes, it takes some gems. Huge, yeah, it takes huge courage to go out there and be like, no, this, this is me. This is what I am. Instead of, I'm sort of tan and sort of blonde, but sort of brunette, but sort of black, but sort of white, but sort of female, but sort of male. Like, I'm just going to cover all the bases so I appeal to all people at all times, you know. And I like that, you know, there's also people that do sort of break through that, again, like sort of white noise and it's like a gaga or or any number of other people I can't think of at the moment um, that are just very unique. and It's and an artificial world, and, and we all want authenticity yeah. now. Okay, let me move yeah. on to Reno, because we've got to get you out of here. Um, Reno 911, right off the bat, best episode, in my opinion, was the episode where you guys had to sell the cookies. Oh, the, the coconut um, nut clusters. The coconut nut clusters. You and Cedric Yardbrough's character, and I loved how you guys like started off all happy and enthusiastic. And by the end, you're like having freaking nervous breakdowns. I thought that was the absolute best <laughs> episode of that series. That is definitely one of my favorites. I, I loved doing it. I love watching it. And I very rarely like watching stuff that I'm in, but um, it just makes me so happy. Cedric makes me so happy. We used to just make up songs together for some reason. I can't remember the, the like origin of it, but, we used to do crunchy little love birds, crunchy little love birds. I mean, it's, oh my it's God. a tune from another song, but I don't know why we started singing crunchy little love birds, but it's just like a little weird private joke. We will always have together. Um, he used to always do this thing. It's just like a little character. 
Razzleberry dressing. Like, he and Carlos were just like, they were a vaudeville act, the two of those guys together. Um, and they would let me kind of, you know, join I in. I can't imagine like, the fun garden. you must have had on that set every day. It is a funny bunch of people. Very funny bunch of people. Um, and smart, funny bunch of people, you know. Um, so, it's yeah, it's nice to to know that I was a part of something that, especially now looking back, was was really way ahead of its time um, as far as, you know, what those guys were doing. Um, and, yeah, I mean. But you I came in in the third it. season, though, and like the yeah. third or fourth episode. What was it like jumping in third season? Did you feel like you had to play catch up? Because that was an ensemble cast of just uber and talent, like talented, like you said, intelligent yeah, it, people. I can't imagine yeah. jumping into that two, you know, two years after the fact. You're the new girl. It was terrifying. It was truly terrifying. Um, and, and and luckily, I had done a guest spot in season two as um, not as a cop, but as a I played this like sadistic geisha masseuse um, who wasn't actually a geisha. She was a woman like undercover. Um, it's a long story, but it's a really fun episode where I beat the shit out of Ben Durant in my massage parlor. That's just like um, a cover for some other, like, like a horse house or something. But um, so I had at least, you know, met them and I knew them also from sort of the comedy scene in the nineties in New York city, we would perform at different sort of like alternative rooms and stuff and see each other. So we all kind of knew each other. We had the same manager, but um yeah, in season three, I guess, before, right before season three, Carrie Kenny got pregnant. And basically they needed like another female who could like kind of kick a little bit of ass, like who was sort of sturdy and strong. And, uh, <laughs> and someone and referred you or you had to actually go audition for it? I had to audition for it, but I did have um, the advantage of uh, the fact that my we had the same manager. Right. Um, so, which is pretty common. Um, and so the audition, I remember like basically we had to improvise and one of the improvs we had to do was like Tom Lennon pretended to be like a perp who was hiding in the bushes, masturbating. And then I, <laughs> I had to approach him as a cop and he was, he would try to run. And so the audition basically consisted of me seeing if I could restrain him from getting away. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I've never had a job interview like that. I'm just a regular show right? in the day. Sweet. Yeah. And yeah, they, it you is. Know, we, they interviewed me. They asked me a bunch of questions, and I had a responding character and stuff. Um, so it was very intimidating, um, like being the new kid in school. Um, but I remember one day we were shooting, like one of my first days, and I did um, a scene where I was rushing into somebody's house or trailer park or something. And I didn't realize the sliding glass door was closed. So I banged oh into the God. sliding glass door. I think I did that on purpose, but I'm not 100% sure. But when I did it and banged into the door, I remember the, the, the group, Tom and Ben and the whole gang were just like, one of us, one of <laughs> us. I'm like, oh, thank you. So, um, but yeah, I spent many a day, like when I wasn't being used on camera in that little trailer, like freaking out, like, just don't mess up, Mary, don't mess up. Just like, keep your cool. You belong here. You're not an imposter, but yeah. How long did it take you to get kind of comfortable with it where you were just not sweating it anymore? 
maybe season five. I don't know. Like, but you left after season five, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think there's always a part of me um, because I care and it's just in my personality to be sort of, um, you know, unfortunately, a, a bit of a people pleaser. And, you know, like the confidence game is not something I excel at. Um, there are times when I do, but a lot of times it's mostly like, okay, Mary, you better fucking kick ass right now because if you don't, your whole cover is blown and they're going to find out you don't have any talent. But you have and to like, know you're amazed- uber successful now, right? I mean, you've had a great career. Well, Just looking over your IMDb, you've had an amazing career. Thank you. And you know what? Yes, I'm like so, I'm very, you know, grateful and very lucky. Um, and, and I work really hard. Um, and it's, it's incredible to me, like that I have worked with people that I used to watch on television when I was little and used yeah. to be like, you know, I used to fantasize about, you know, what it would be like to, you know, be on one day at a time. And, you know, then I worked with one of the actresses from the show. So like, it's mind boggling to me. Like I never, ever thought I would get out of South Jersey and do what I do for a living. Um, and work with like people that I truly like that are icons to me. Um, and that is such a great feeling to know that I've whatever, like goofed around with Martin Short and Tom Hanks and Billy yeah. Crystal at a party and I held my own, you know, like, like, so that, you know, there, and believe me when I am, and right now, like just to be perfectly transparent, Mary Birdsong is unemployed. Like, so it's, I'm constantly hustling for work and, and it's a challenging time to be a 50 year old woman in Los Angeles who is an actress. And, you know, that said, it's also one of the best times to be a woman in show business and be over 30, you know, um, it's never been as I think welcoming and as open for opportunity as it is now. Um, but it's, it's really like, that's why I'm so glad I write and that I do create because if, if, you know, if, if people aren't creating enough content for people, you know, over 40, then guess what? It's like, maybe it's on me. Like I, I encourage like anybody who feels underrepresented, if you can, like, and you're an actor, like take a writing class, write stuff yourself, write a movie for yourself. And that's you know, why like, you wear, you're where you are. Because you go out there and you actually strive to do creative things. I mean, if 10 years ago when I was watching you on Comedy Central, somebody said one day you'll be sitting in your bedroom talking to her, I would have thought (laughs) that technology didn't even fucking exist back then. I think they were insane. And here I am. You know, I did a little bit in the punk world when I was a kid, but I'm just a regular guy who goes to work. And I got into this whole thing doing politics. I started a political blog and then a political podcast. Wow. Just talking to regular people. Then I started talking to um, local politicians and stuff like that. And I remember telling Dee, she's like, who do you want to have on the show? And I had like this list of like Christopher Titus and all these different people. And she's like, well, that's impossible. And I was like, no, I'm just going to start reaching out to people. What are they going to do? Stab me? All they can do is just You're like, smart. get out of here, kid. You're you so, know? so smart. You know, so now so I've smart. talked to like. Margot Kidder and work for William Sanderson and all this crazy stuff just sitting here in Tennessee. So I, I, you know, when people are like, you can't do it. If you go out there and you just have a spark of talent and you have a lot of moxie kid, anybody can do anything. I mean, I still kind of have a little bit of that John Wayne American dream in me, I guess. 
even though things are really hard. Yeah, because I mean, even when I was like producing a few things that I was, you know, creating, um, I remember I was trying to get for, and at one time we, this friend of mine and I were making a um, indie pilot and we reached out to John Oliver and this granted, this was way before last week tonight, you know, that he wasn't as famous as he is now, right? but he was on the daily show and stuff. And he, because my partner was just such a huge fan of his, we asked him if he'd be interested in playing. And he was so lovely and so nice and got back to us right away. And honestly, it boiled down to scheduling that he couldn't do it. But like, that seemed crazy to me. But yet being an actor, it doesn't seem crazy at all because I know how great it feels when somebody who with a genuine appreciation of what you do says, we would like you to do this thing. Can you do it? Like, that's just flattering. And it's nice to be wanted. And, you know, I've never been like, you know, if somebody asked me to do something, you know, like an eye roll, like is not in the game plan. It's just every actor, I don't care how famous they are. It's, it's, you know, it's nice to be asked. And I know when people reach a certain amount of fame, it can be annoying because people, it's not about appreciating what they do so much as appreciating, like they almost want to take something from them. Like they want to like ride their fame instead of right, yeah, just say yeah. like, you know what I mean? And I, and I've sensed that from certain people. I'm like very careful who I ask sort of favors from because it's a, it's like a form of currency when certain celebrities like retweet something. I mean, that's, that's money. You know what I mean? That's, they are constantly asked for that, but, I just think when you, yeah, like you said, what are they going to do? Shoot me? I'm in Tennessee. Like, you know, um, so it's just always ask, like, and I'm really trying to remain positive like that. Just say like, this is just something that excites me and maybe it would appeal to them. Like you'd be so surprised how many people will say yes, if they like what you're doing, you know? Um, because we just want to like, do good things. your work speaks for itself, too. And I know we got to get out of here, but I want to make this other point. You know, I always think, and I used to get a lot of hate because of my politics and stuff, and I kind of moved away from that as it just became not worth the hassle to me. But right. if I, you know, if, if I get out of this tomorrow, if this is the last interview I ever do, if I never do anything again in my life like this, and I just go back to just going to the office, nobody will ever be able to take this away from me. I'll always be able to say, I did this, this, and this with just pure grit and determination. And when I look over your YouTube channel and your IMDb and all that, if this goes away today, you've got an incredible legacy. And nobody can take that away. Nobody can burn down your IMDb. It's there forever. Kids will be looking at that stuff 100 years from now. It's my statue. It's my statue. It is. (laughs) <laughs> it's your virtual statue. All right, let's end with this yes. because I know I got to get you out of here. These shows I always tell the guests a half hour. D, when was the last time we actually did a half hour show? I swear I always intended um, to do a half hour. I don't know that. But I'm an old rambling man now, so I can't ever shut up. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Hot Mess because you told me you were putting a pilot together. Um, tell us what you can tell us about that. I know a lot of times this stuff's hush hush and how that right. process is going. Well, it's really it's something I'm very excited about, and um, I just met with my writing partner on it yesterday, a guy named uh, Jacob Mazeros, who's a great writer, comedy person. Um, so, yeah, it's basically sort of based on that same period I was mentioning when I was home um, as the caretaker for my mom. Gotcha. But it's basically, so it's a comedy about grief, <laughs> and so I, what I'm thinking is um, each season is going to be sort of 
thematically about a different stage of grief. Um, but it's going to be very, speaking of LSD, it's going to have a very sort of acid trippy take on time and space and place. And I'm hoping, too, that it's going to have a very, like, the aesthetic of what I was talking about of, like, you know what? It might be very sort of have a, like, Pee Wee's Playhouse, just sort of, like, the obviously fake quality to it. Like, Monty Python. I'm a believer that the universe is t- tells you, kind of guides you to do things. Things happen for a reason. Did, I feel like the whole takeaway of this episode is I need to go get some LSD and not wait another 30 years. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah. So, it's, and it's basically about being a hot mess. So, we're all sort of hot messes, you know. Indeed. Um, masquerading as, as people who have their quote-unquote shit together. Um, and yet, we're inside just big, gooey, hot messes. Um, so, but it's really fun because it's so personal and, um, because we're not just doing sort of a, you know, paint by number take on a, a sitcom. I love that. I love the fact that like cable has sort of opened up the sort of possibilities of what a half hour show can be. Like it doesn't have to be also like, Oh Netflix no, my and father-in-law Hulu. has some, huh? Also Netflix and Hulu too. A lot of people take that stuff straight exactly. to Hulu. Yeah. So like, it's just really changed. I think it's just made the whole field a lot more, a lot younger and a lot, and not younger, even like I'm 15, but younger mentally. Like it's just not a bunch of old executives in suits going like, well, we've test marketed certain storylines and found that people like puppies. You know, it's just like, no, I want to get the focus groups out of there. Yeah. So um, it does feel a little bit punk rock that I'm going in with this, story and this real personal experience um and it's gonna go dark it's gonna go dark um but hopefully be funny too so um so yeah so that's what i'm getting ready to do and aside from finishing my 365 characters please um, that's that's what's happening Awesome. Yeah. Um, so how's the process looking now you feel like this is going to be something that's going to take off because it sounds like an amazing idea I hope so. You know, you never know. Um, I've done some pilots over the years that were a surefire thing. Um, It was, you know, I remember even a few years ago, this was pre-Roseanne Scandal. um, There was a pilot that we did at, I think it was ABC or Fox, I can't remember. And it was the first time Roseanne and John Goodman were appearing together in a TV series since the original. Oh, wow. And it, and it was hilarious and it had an amazing cast and amazing team. And like, they were so funny. The audience wouldn't stop cheering and applauding when they came out on stage and, and it didn't go, you know? So like, you just don't. And then other pieces of crap like have gone on to huge success. So it's so random. Um, it's a crap shoot it for feels, sure. Yeah. It feels good to at least, um, like I said, like if you feel underrepresented, like tell your story, like you be the one to go represent and get it out there and make people listen to it. Um, I mean, if the Blair Witch kids can do it, anyone can. There you go. That's going to be my mantra. I'm going to write that on a little piece of paper and put it in my car. Yeah. I mean, those kids had people not even know. I remember when that movie came out and my girlfriend at the time thought it was real. And I was like, but they're on Johnny Carson tonight or Jay Leno or whatever it was. They're on the tonight (laughs) show. Of course it's not real. But I mean, that was done. That whole found footage thing when it started, it was so new that people like, were kind of like, is this a real thing? 
And that's the thing, like some, because they didn't have a huge budget, like sometimes I think like, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. And I feel like poverty is the mother, mother of creativity. Like when you have certain things you can't do because of a lack of funds or resources, it sometimes forces you, forces you to make really interesting sort of offbeat choices that are really interesting creatively that you would never have come up with if somebody said like, you know, sky's the limit. Do you want a, like a robotic elephant? What? We'll get it. You know, just like it's, you know, it, it's, it's all um, finding little ways around roadblocks. And, and so, yeah. Um, so hopefully, yeah, you'll be hearing about hot mess. We'll see. Um, and I can come back on and thank you. For yeah. It and please. Say you were there yes. at the beginning. Yes, keep us updated on that. I think the takeaway of this episode is, A, you can do anything you put your mind to with just a little bit of moxie and determination, and B, I need to do some LSD soon. Right, yeah, you can do anything you want to if you do a little bit of LSD. Just lace everything with LSD first, and the sky's the limit. (laughs) All right, tell everybody where we can find you online. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for calling in. And where can we find you on the – we're at 150 places we can find Mary on the interwebs. Yeah. Thank you guys so much, Dee and Nick. You're amazing. And um, YouTube is uh, youtube.com slash TV. Twitter is just at MaryBirdsong. Instagram is at Mary Birdsong official. And if you are really fancy smitten, like smarty pants writer person, and you want to look at my medium.com, it's just Mary Birdsong. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Just Google you even, um, like I said, you even have a Tumblr. So if you go, I Googled you when I was researching and um, it was like, Google was exploding with Mary Birdsong stuff. Oh, I was yeah, like, you Oh my God. How am I, yeah, how am I going to get yeah. through all this? Gee, so you're definitely if you out. Even dip, if you dip into MySpace, I, I, you know, I, my heart is out to you because you won't come back. You, I don't even know so how to navigate MySpace anymore. It's like some <laughs> music site or something. I'm just old timer. Don't know how to do the MySpace no more. Yeah, yeah, All it's right. interesting. It's, yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Thanks, Mary. D, we'll be back on Kettle of Fish. I guess when we're back, right? Yep, yep. That's when we'll be back. All right, it's freezing here, but it's supposed to be beautiful next weekend. I think mm-hmm. finally spring is going to sprung a little. Am I using that tense correctly? <laughs> no, but that's okay. Spring is going to sprung. I hope so because, you know, I'm a grumpy bear during the winter. You and every winter are. I'm like, D, I'm not going to make it this winter. So I'm like picking fucking flowers off the wallpaper, losing my mind. Every year. Every winter. I, mm-hmm. And I, that's why one of the things I thought when I moved to the south was it was going to be warm. And I was like, oh, I don't want to move to the south. And, like, those guys are not going to get me coming from, like, D.C. and Virginia Beach and stuff down south. And, I th- well, at least it'll be nice out most of the year. And now, because of cl- climate change, if you believe Fake such news. scientific concerns, um, it's cold here now till freaking May. Mm-hmm. And when I moved down here back in 20,000, 20, 2007, it used to warm up in March, but now yep. it's like cold until May now. So fingers so crossed. Is. Yep, fingers crossed indeed. We'll All righty, guys. We'll be back when we're back. You can check us out at tincan.media. Check out our Facebook. However, I do have a lot going on in the music show. So check out Musical Osmosis on Facebook. Lots of big stuff coming up there over the next six weeks. <laughs> <laughs>